we love to make love. That's what we love to do. Listen, I'm just letting you talk because <laughs> right. the way I was raised. You scared? <laughs> everyone and welcome to the dinner table. My name is Aislinn Campbell and with me every week, awesomely, Joe Hilliard. Joe, Joe Hilliard. You've turned your frown upside down. <laughs> because as we all know, I create my own reality and I only make space for what I want in life. And I start my day out with a few healthy poos and that's just what it is. Now a few is usually three. It's more than two. <laughs> Do you need to clarify? No, it could be give or take. You're a regular person and in the morning you've got a routine. I have a poo alarm clock that literally wakes me up every day at about 6.45 a.m. And that's the first thing that you'll do then? Pretty much. And so at the very, very I'm beginning a 9 of the day. <laughs> You're a 9 a.m. guy. It happens at the office <laughs> and there's usually someone, so you got to wait and it's a whole thing because we have one hole at the office. I think this episode's about to get very intimate. <laughs> well, I'm glad that our friends are here. <laughs> exactly. So I wake up early in the morning, ready to start my fantastic day. And I do my business as I normally do in the morning. We can imagine. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I see that it's raining. It's been raining all night long. And then I realize that the toilets in our Two of our rooms, two of our bathrooms, aren't flushing anymore. Which can only mean one thing. That we have toilets now full of poo. Well, we have toilets <laughs> that won't what... flush properly, and it happens when we have heavy, heavy, heavy rains. And it's happened exactly. in this house for as long as we've been here. <laughs> we live in the best neighborhood in the whole we city with the worst the water infrastructure because of its age. Because of its age, exactly. But that being said, we get to the end of the night, and I'm dirty, dirty, dirty from the farm, and I have got to take a bath got to but the bathtub in this freaking house that i love so much is right next to the toilet it's a weird design and you were like well what would you tell a friend or a client to do if they've manifested stinky gross dirty shit bathroom next to the place that they want to have their relaxing luxurious luxurious water bath or whatever and my first response was well this is where you realize you've jumped out of the plane without a parachute and you're going to splat. So you might as well enjoy the ride and just get through it. Or you somehow create what you want. And so I created what I wanted. You did? I did. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. That's exactly what happened. I got what I wanted, didn't I? And how was your bath? It was lovely. Because then we wake Joe up went ahead in there. Uh-huh. And cleaned the entire bathroom, did everything he could to minimize the idea that disgusting waste was just lurking about me, <laughs> around me, and in my space. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I appreciate your support, your security, and the safety you provide. Thank you. I am going through a thing. Yes, you are. That is true. For years, I've been listening to some of your observations of me which I probably thought were accurate, but that I still didn't really do anything about. You've been talking about addressing the pain in your life, addressing the mm -hmm. things in your life that might be obstacles to greater ideas, greater thought, greater being, greater purpose. Mm -hmm. So the things that you're alluding to are that I have said several times, I believe that you probably need to do a 
cleanse of some kind because there's some you're allergic to to some things. You're you're having some aller- allergic reactions. Well, and on this podcast, we talk about that all yeah, the time. Sure. Food allergies sure. and how that affects my body. And I think you thought where I was going, but I'm going to other places as well. Okay. You go to all the places. I have come to the conclusion that folks that didn't use a portion of their pandemic time in an introspective notion wasted some opportunity. Yeah, but that's their space and that's fine. I see your point. I'm not judging anyone's time. Yeah, that. But if that is a reality, then how well did I do? I believe what happened is, is that it opened up more paths of least resistance for people to make the choice to level up. Correct. And it is time for all of us. Oh, it's time for all of us as we move forward. But it's okay if you choose not to right now and you're not ready to receive that. That's okay. But a switch went off where it was like, you need to address some things. Something resonated. You received something. And I think think it's a fantastic way for us to finish this season. Awesome. It's for me to talk through things that maybe I'm comfortable talking about between here and episode 2.52, which is our season finale. It's just a few episodes away. A Joe introspective. But barring introspection of a emotional level, I also, you're right, needed to take a grand step to get to the bottom of some health stuff. It's whole healing. So I have decided to do a sugar fast Mm -hmm. for 21-ish days. And I'm, and I'm not putting 21-ish. I'm not saying 21. There are no rules in this. If you are going to do it that way without setting a very specific goal, then what you have to do is to really stay aware of all of the triggers that are happening during the fast. Com- all of them. Com- the emotional triggers, the physical triggers. There is no doubt. You are, every you single are 100% one. correct. And then with each awareness of each trigger, you have to look at it and go, why is this here? Why am I holding on to this trigger? And then once you go either, I want to c- stay in this pain body. I want I want to continue to hold on to this because I feel like it's continuing to serve me. Or you look at that and go, is it really continuing to serve me? I don't need that anymore. And you let it go. And once you begin to do that and you're no longer being triggered, like crazily triggered by all of these things that you're you're being called to heal from, then you can enjoy things in a way, then you can decide what you actually want. That's really it. You've stripped away some layers, you've leveled up. Now, what do I actually want? I feel like starting three episodes ago into the end of this season, there is an interesting arc here. Mm-hmm. Because now it's me putting into practice a few of the things that we have been talking about over the last few weeks. The sugar fast, to be a little bit specific, will be 21 days minimum. You're committed to 21 days. I'm committed to 21 days. Gotcha, gotcha. And, there's a, and there yeah. is a, we've talked about how I have another podcast, Beer in a Movie. The situation is such that there's a summer break of recording. So that's part of the synchronicity of me doing this right now. Yeah. And I think it's a really smart thing to do because in this three weeks or uh-huh. more, uh-huh. I can not only do a sugar cleanse, I can do a purposeful liver cleanse. Yes. I think that some of my physiological things are congestion. I bet the listeners of this podcast can hear it from time to time where I'm just really stopped up. I've dealt with that my entire adult life. I've always said it was a deviated septum, but Mm -hmm. it could be a dietary thing. Starting two midnights ago, I'm done with all processed sugar, all added sugar, the sugariest of fruits. So Mm -hmm. no bananas. Mm Mm-hmm. 
all your rice, all your pasta, but reading labels and making sure that I'm not taking in any added sugars. Yesterday, we went out for a snack, and I think you got a ranch water, but I got iced tea. Mm-hmm. Three lemon slices. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to be ingesting a lot of lemon and a lot of lime. And that's really helpful with your with like a liver Cleansing. cleanse out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not just that. It's these night sweats that I know is half immune, half liver. A cleanse makes sense. And it's interesting because... Um, I'm leaving things liver, out, but we'll get to that next week maybe. Liver has been screaming at me. Not just for you, liver's been screaming at me. And that's weird to say because it's not my body's liver screaming at me. But in the universe, liver, liver detox, potential dis-ease, just anything. Like I've seen more information about liver in my algorithm than I've seen in all the rest of my life. And I have begun taking really, really ingesting a lot of water and rejoicing in the water and the lime juice regularly because I think that we're maybe as a society, maybe as a consciousness or certainly around our spaces that we're in, that we need to clean our livers. You and I have a relationship with alcohol in our life. Yes. That I'm very comfortable with. Yes. This is the physiological reaction well, to listening. alcohol, but also listening to making listening. sure everything in moderation, that I'm not over-consuming any one thing, right? So at the snack, you had gotten chips and queso. Queso is my favorite. And I reflexively <laughs> reach for that those chips. Right. Because there's chips on the table. Yep. And twice I said, oh, oh, nope. <laughs> Didn't eat one. Then when we got home, I prepared some leftovers. We'll talk about those in a little while. But rather than pasta, mm-hmm. I grabbed right off the table, out of Aislinn's Bounty, some tomatoes and cucumbers that you just picked mm-hmm. and sliced those up, salt, pepper, olive oil, reach for the balsamic vinaigrette reduction that we have, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. It says no sugar added, mm-hmm. but it's still the same principles of wine. It's going to be heavy, heavy sugar. Set that back down. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this kind of transformative notion of what I know I have to fill my diet up with when I eliminate all of those things. And I think a lot of it, when I look around this house at all of the produce that's tucked into every nook and cranny, it's going to be some of that. I'm making that purposeful decision as well. Let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And if I'm trying to cleanse... You know that I live by that. You know that I live by that 100%. But I'm also curious to see as we go through this process how you take self-love and self-care into the consideration of the body healing that you're going through. Because your body is going to, regardless of how well you treat it, go back to what it knows if you keep telling it that it's not good enough. So think about that also. Unanswered questions. We can't be gonging every single thing. Because (laughs) I don't like this unanswered question that we're going to answer. Isn't there a song about gonging? Bang a gong. Get it on. Bang Bang a gong. Get Get it it on. on. Stay tuned. I think we'll be talking about a little bit of that later. Okay, inflorescence, a word I'd never heard before. Inflorescence. We were talking about the figs and how the flowers are inside of the fruit. I researched this for half an hour to get a good understanding of what this word means. This is the best I can do. And then we're going to drop it because this is not a botany podcast. An inflorescence is a group or cluster of flowers arranged on a stem that is composed of a main branch or a complicated arrangement of branches. Well, the thing about it is, is that I'm very fascinated with figs anyways, because I learned that figs are 
the most delicious fruit for a Sagittarius oh. centaur archer as I am. I'm going to eat more figs so that I get more inflorescence inside of me. <laughs> I don't even know what any of that means, but it sounds Now, here's fun. an answer question that I can't wait to hear the answer to. We talked last week about how the chef at one of our favorite restaurants in town bought your figs to put them on a pizza. And I said, I am going to go get us a pizza. We're going to eat it. Yes. How did the professional chef do using your figs? Well, they were quite delicious. Very delicious. I would have liked maybe a little more figs. I think that would be the only thing. And then the tromboncino that he used from me. That's what those those long That's, squashes yeah, that like you grow. Four foot, five foot. Looks like a four foot tall bong or something like that. Right. He made it so good, and it was just basic. He was like, it was literally like squash and onions, like the old school squash and onions with snapper on top of it. But that squash was so delicious. Completely agree, and I wanted to ask him how he had prepared them because I would love to make that squash in my home. So however you'd prepared and cooked the snapper yeah. and then poured all the juice or whatever Ooh, over the top of all of it. So, so good. But tell the That's story so about the customer that had also eaten it, was complimenting him on the squash, and then you got introduced as the grower of the oh, squash. Oh, yes. That's exactly what happened. I, literally, that is exactly what happened. I was like, oh my gosh, that squash with that dish was so good. Kim, our friend that was here not a few weeks ago, who was working that night, she leaned over and she goes, you see that lady right there? She's the one that grew it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a hero. <laughs> so everyone should learn about the tromboncino and grow some themselves. I'm serious. It's important. You'll like it. One year ago today. Time What are we doing here? What are we doing here? <laughs> One year ago today, episode 1.45, the featured meal was a July 4th celebration where you made a beautiful salad that had a lot of seasonal fruit in it, including your figs, including some watermelon, mm -hmm. peaches, and then some edible flowers that you had grown, those Turks cap flowers, mm -hmm. and how that was going to be the vegetable entry into an otherwise very meat-filled mm -hmm. July 4th weekend. Yeah. Um, we're at that same exact time. Uh, it's been hard with the melons this year because, well, first of all, everything got a late start because the February freeze just gave us a late start, which has been fine because the temperatures have not been that bad and we've had lots and lots of rain. And because of a lot of rain, it means that the melons, squash, those types of things have a harder time anyways because they don't like all that rain in their vines and they get all mildewy and stuff like that. But they also don't like to get that much water. The fruits getting that much water in them makes the fruits split open. So the watermelons are splitting open. The melons are splitting open. But so what I'm does that mean? You have them. to cut them before yeah, that happens? Yeah, you just have to cut them. Well, when they start to split, you just cut them. Or you cut them before you're about to see like a massive rainstorm. The possibilities then are that you have underripe things. It'll be interesting to see because it's continued to rain and rain and rain and rain. It'll be interesting to see where we go next. Any longtime listener that isn't a gardener understands how that February 14th freeze <laughs> that they remember reading about in the news, how that's affected you this year. That's very mm -hmm. crystal clear. Mm -hmm. And if we don't get a freeze like that next year, and chances are we won't, then it'll be a different season than this year. I just am one of those people that refuses to curse the earth or the weather or anything that it's doing because I believe that that's the way that we get the best life around us. Well, it's certainly cursing something you've got zero control over. What is the point? Well, 
of saying there's too much rain, that's not going to change the amount of rain that we're getting. It isn't, hold on, isn't that well, making I, I don't space necessarily the... agree with that, which is why I'm having a hard time with that, because I actually do believe that we do have more control over those types of things than we're willing to give ourselves credit for. But just generally speaking, what are you going to get out of the thing that you are creating? Are you going to get the worst case scenario or are you going to get the best case scenario? And for me, I'm going to get the best case scenario. I've gotten a lot of produce this season, a lot, more than I know what to do with. Right. So if, like normal, we lose the last of the season stuff, okay, it's time then to roll right into the next season. I got to stop. I could talk about the garden forever. Well, speaking of all that overflowing of abundance, I absolutely have enjoyed this little spell of grab and go foods that we've been cooking, like lunch foods or brunch foods. I used foods. my whole day off on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Cooking. Yay. I'm so glad you did. I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. So we're talking a couple of different varieties of sandwich making. So you made stuff to do the cucumber sandwiches. Yeah. I made those fancy cucumber tea sandwiches. I love that's absolutely one of my most favorite foods that exists is not, that little sandwich. It's not hard to make. Please make me more. Soften up your cream cheese. Uh-huh. Mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. the fresh herbs that might be available to chop up. And, and in I this had house, parsley yeah, this time, and it was good with parsley Tons in it. of parsley. Really good, yeah. I bought that garlic paste that we talked about last week, put a little bit of that in there, a little bit of finely chopped and then smushed up onion. Mm-hmm. Salt, pepper, mix, 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 mix. Use your mandolin to finely slice those cucumbers. So you didn't chop the cucumbers up and put them into the mix because sometimes people no, they put were the sliced. cucumbers in the mix. They, they were, were sliced, sliced on top. On top of a spread. Uh-huh. That's your sandwich. Cut off the crusts. You could also put a tomato on that the way that you did that. That'd be really good That would good have been too. good. That yeah. would have been good. Those cucumbers really thinly sliced, I enjoy more because mm-hmm. it's not, ugh, yeah. you know, when you bite uh-huh. down. It's tender taste pop of cucumber. Yes, and I love it. So in that round of cooking, the soup you made to go with this delightful sandwich was a roasted summer vegetable soup. Yeah. And it turned out really, really good. And you took some beautiful pictures that showed just like the color, the array of colors that grew in our local area. Either I grew it or the farmers at the farmer's market grew it. It was amazing, Joe. I tell you what, it was nice to have yesterday when I wanted to eat something on day one of a sugar fast, just sitting there in the refrigerator ready to be heated up and heated up. Of course, it does that thing that a really good soup will probably do. And it's better the second, third day after it sat in the fridge for a couple of days. But yeah, I took these vegetables, sliced them in half, put them on a piece of parchment paper, kitchen elevation. If you're not into parchment paper, go buy yourself a roll of parchment paper uh-huh. and begin using it every almost every single time you cook in the oven if it's not something that's like a casserole. Parchment paper. Okay. Out of my life for a majority of it. I'm so glad that it's in. <laughs> on your parchment paper, you put your tomato, the different kinds of peppers that you'd grown, a couple pieces of zucchini, a couple pieces of summer squash, garlic, and your onions. Uh-huh. You roast those 375 for, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes. They got a blister on the tomato, blister on the pepper. You can just tell when it's done. You pull that out. This one, I wanted a chunkier. I wanted uh-huh. chunks of those vegetables. So I ran this one through the processor. Mm-hmm. Pulse, 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 pulse. Mm-hmm. Get it just where you yeah, want it. Yeah, it was it. chunky. Put it back into the pot with your broth. This called for vegetable broth. I've got chicken broth. I use chicken broth. And then it called for a little bit of coconut milk to kind of creamy it up. I didn't have that. 
Mm-hmm. Who cares? Just mm-hmm. use regular milk. There was a little bit of your pesto that we'll talk about in a second, ready to go in the fridge. So I plopped a little bit of that in there. It, 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 it was so good. It was very good. I enjoyed it a whole lot. And you were making the second round so we'd have other stuff to eat. I suggested that you make another type of sandwich and a pasta. So then basically we've got like soup, salad, pot. Like this is what we were eating for the next week. He made chicken salad because I love chicken salad. My daughter loves chicken salad. We only eat meat at home. So the only time we would get a chicken salad would be at home. So he made some chicken salad that we could eat them with that delicious roasted vegetable soup. But he also made basil, pesto, pasta with squash in it. And that was a delicious little treat. I mean, it's like we're going out to the fancy ladies lunch club or something like that. It must be basil season too, because you had made a nice big load of pesto. Mm -hmm. So after boiling my pasta, it was done. You throw your garlic into the oil, then your zucchini and squash, cook it until it's tender crisp. When it gets where you want it, stir the pesto in. You'd already made it. Then put your noodles on top of it. Mix, 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 mix. Add some captured pasta water after the boil uh-huh. to thin it, it a up. little bit, loosen mm-hmm. it up. Mm-hmm. It was so easy. Stick that into a Tupperware. You could eat it cold. You yep. could heat it up again. Yep. But now you've got this like selection of sandwiches, soups, mm-hmm. pasta. Mm-hmm. That was a fun few days. It was. It was really good. I, I enjoyed all of the food that we had and the ability to then, yeah, like you said, grab the raw stuff and have a little bit of salad on the side of this or that or... You're doing a good job just making use of all of the stuff that we have coming out of our house. And for those of you that don't live in our area, but you are in your big seasons of vegetable growth as well, try some of these things out if you haven't already before or send us the recipes you're using for these same types of vegetables. For those of you that live in our area and you're interested in purchasing some of these vegetables, reach out to me and I'll make sure you get connected up with my online order form. Last week... At the intro, we said that I had an interest in discussing Sex Life. Mm -hmm. It's a TV series that's on Netflix that I've Mm -hmm. been watching. And you were like, what are we going to talk about? And I said, well, that may be a long conversation. So maybe we should save it for next week's dinner table conversation. So here we are at the dinner table. And I'd love to discuss a show with you that you've actually never watched before. Yeah, this is weird. Of all the <laughs> shows that you watch without me, <laughs> this is true. that you decided to plunge into uh-huh. this season, yes. it's a series, Yes. alone. But I'm over here working on the computer, working in the kitchen, and I hear like, <laughs> and I have to walk in and find out. It does not sound like that. That sounds gross. <laughs> And I have to walk in and find out, what is she watching? Oh, is this your sex life show? And then I'll like just watch, just see if the cinematography is any good uh-huh. and then go back to my task. Uh-huh. That's exactly what's happening. Like We don't have necessarily the same viewing tastes. When we like something, when we really, really like something, we usually like it together. There's overlap in our Venn diagram. Exactly. But I'll do my own thing. Exactly. And you'll do your own exactly. thing. Exactly. And so Want to watch a horror like this, movie? Nope. I'll go watch it by myself. Yeah. Something like this, though, would be something I would definitely look into first before I suggested that it would be something that Joe watches. So I turn on Sex Life, and from the very, very beginning, it is nonstop soft porn. 
Okay. That is what it is. There is just no other way to suggest it. And it's not like back in our growing up days when the soft porn didn't come on until 9 p.m. on HBO or 10 p.m. on HBO. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like my teenagers are walking through the room and I'm watching soft porn and the teenagers go, oh, are you watching Sex Life? (laughs) So they're aware. So they're aware. And so can I ask you a few questions about the series? Yes. Does it following the same characters like a normal TV show does? Is it an anthology thing that's doing a different thing every week? It's not an anthology. It's it's definitely one woman's sex life, okay. basically. The best way to describe it, even beyond just calling it a soft porn, which could potentially give it a negative connotation for certain people listening and hearing that and then feeling uncomfortable about soft porn. What does that mean? What is that? Whatever. But a lot of people know that women through all of time, have read books called romance novels. But they were like heaving breasts and Mm -hmm. throbbing manhood and, you know, all of that. (laughs) And they were off on some sailboat in the... His calloused hands turned to velvet. That kind of stuff? (laughs) Exactly. I don't know what the voice is. That's exactly what this show is. That's exactly what it is. For as long as there has been moving pictures, there has been moving picture pornography. Right. And in the old, old, old days, you can Google it. It's fun to look at almost. Uh, it's it's just a woman in her brassiere doing calisthenics. Right. <laughs> and that was the most titillating thing that people had ever that seen. That was the soft porn back then. Sure, sure. I mean, it's been with us forever. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't have... Or at least maybe I'm tr- I'm moving into a space in my life with some of the healing that I've been going through, things that I've been doing, of being much more... <sighs> understanding it's safe, that sex is safe, that this is a safe thing. And us talking about it and discussing it and understanding it better and understanding why we want it and, and what it, why it was created and why did we create it and how it's, you know, as I've said before in the past when I've talked about how we create, we either create by creating pain or orgasm. That's how we literally create. Well, I think pain you said us- that humans really only respond to two big basic emotions sure orgasms and pain right but it's kind of the same thing it's like we create when we need to solve a problem we create life when we want to feel joy that's who we are and so it's given me through the healing work that i've been doing through my own introspective work that i've been doing it's giving me a deeper dive into my sex life, our sex life, watching the show, about my sex, children, yeah. and what's going on with teenagers oh having boy. sex. And so here I am literally at the dinner table with my daughter, my boyfriend, and her boyfriend, and I'm bringing up the conversation of a movie I that's got, I got downgraded sex to boyfriend. life. Well, you know, in this like dynamics gotcha. of whatever, and it's funny because Lily, she's like, I do not want to know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is a part of life. This is a real part of life. And you are participating in it. I know you are. That's not, We're not going to have an argument about that. So if that's the case, there's no better place than our dinner table to have this conversation about some one of the most important things that exists in being a human. And if it came up because of a TV show... Where a mother, a woman has a life and she discusses her sex life and she discusses her fears and her fantasies and 
those come into play with her ex-boyfriends and her potentially ruining her life and her best woman friend and her husband and it affects her children. And I mean, like, it's this whole world that is created where we can have an honest conversation about sex life and we can actually see things that we're not afraid to, that we shouldn't be afraid to look at on the TV or anywhere for that matter. Until the recent past, I have spent a majority of my day with headphones plugged in listening to some specific entertainment. And Mm -hmm. I have decided to cut that entertainment out of my life, which has opened up the world to listening to other things. I I I literally jumped for joy when you told Uh, me this. I know. I'm like, I'm so excited. I know. And I expect (laughs) that in future weeks, I will talk about some of these deep dives that I've done. But one of them has been about this notion that anxiety and mental health is one of the things that Americans do not talk about. We just don't like to talk about it. Now, you might run in a circle that does talk about it, but generally, we do not. Mm -hmm. Sex, similarly, we do not talk about it. The open And there are certain circles where you absolutely don't talk about it, and that would be with your mom. Well, that's where I'm going. (laughs) Or your dad. The dinner table that we have purposefully created, where just because we are family... Mm-hmm. We don't talk about these things. Right. It used to be politics, sex, you know, mm-hmm. the things you don't talk about in, in yeah. common courtesy life mm-hmm. that is painful and hurting our country. The puritanical notions about sex that we have in this country do not equate in a broad side-by-side view with how other countries treat sexuality. And there are people applauding that that's the case Well, right now. in the spectrum, mm-hmm. there are places that... The uh, are worse. Yes. Sure. And then there are places that literally out in the middle of the jungle where it's not even a, like, it's just a part of life. Sure. We just live. Sure. <laughs> but I live here. So, I mean, knowing right. what I've grown that is the opposite of the table that I grew up in. The opposite. Mm-hmm. My sex talk was me reading a book to my parents when I was old enough to do that. And it was never spoken of again. We don't talk about it. It doesn't exist. Don't do it. But let's not talk about it. And it created a really wide open space for me as a young, immature man to bounce around like a pinball with absolutely no direction or understanding or access to information outside of the locker room. And we know that that's not always the best place to get the information. So I believe that we are doing our children a service by properly educating them about all of the aspects of it, or at least the ones that we can consider. Well, right. And I don't even know if it's like, it's not in terms of education. It's just in terms of giving them the ability to have critical thought because that's been allowed to be thought about. Mm -hmm. Like you're allowed to think about sex. You're allowed to think about how it affects you. And if we can talk about it openly, then it makes it safe to think about and safe to talk about. You're right. It's not only spoken about in the quiet of your bedroom with your teenage friends where your mom can't hear you because she'll tell you not to talk about those types of things. I will tell you that absolutely one of the best conversations that I had with anyone that would have been what would be considered my constituent during my mayoral campaign was I had a conversation with a young woman that basically said the fact that she was brought up in a religion that was taught abstinence and no, no, you none do not talk about it. 
do not have it, nothing, that she knows without a doubt it was taken away from her at a young age because she didn't know what to do or how to react during that time. Oh, yeah. And that was one of the first conversations <laughs> that's a, that's we started that, having with our children mm-hmm. about this. Yes, because that's a broad, empty space where without any direction, I'm going to pinball around into places maybe I don't even want to go. Because we grow up, both males and females, being put in situations where our hormones are rocking, our panties are heart beating, our, you know, we are... Our friends are encouraging. It's, we don't want to be the one that didn't have this experience. We are ready to grow up Peer and be pressure. independent. Yep. You know, all of these things, but we don't know, we don't even know what no means. Like, really, we don't, they don't know what no means. So how, how can we teach them to say no if we don't teach them what no means? And how can we teach someone to hear no if they don't know what no means? Why do I feel like the dinner table talk that we had with our kids is different than this television show? No, it's not different than the television show. Because the the conversation with the television show is basically without having honest conversations, we're having weirdo situations come up in our families where we're not facing our real passions and desires and we're creating affairs and divorces and sex parties and just all it's, it is an introspective into the mind of our sex life. Now, granted, it's titillating it is arousing it is um gonna attract your attention it's got it's got some good clickbait in there i mean the title of this yes it's beautiful oh my god beautiful rich people beautiful bodies australian with a big dong not a joke um (laughs) it's big trombone chair (laughs) exactly exactly but it gets the opportunity for conversations to flow and i think that if i'm going to sit in front of a screen or listen to a podcast or whatever, this starts to get into this place where we can have these open, revealing conversations, honest conversations that I believe are an important part of where we are in this space and time with our creation. And not only is it um, affecting my relationship with my daughter, because I'm in a conversation with her in this part of her life about sex, it's also affecting my relationship with you because sex and sex life has been a very important part of our relationship. In fact, I would say it is our, you know, other couples may say, oh, we are, we love to go hunting and fishing together. We love to build houses together. We, you know, cycle, whatever it is. We love to make love. That's what we love to do. But we love to do all kinds of other delicious and wonderful creative things. But that's our, that's our, that's our, I'm banging my hands together, (laughs) trying to come up with the right word. Listen, I'm just letting you talk because that coding that I talked about, (laughs) the way I was raised. You scared? (laughs) No, I'm not scared. It's more about, it's difficult for me to describe it. It's, it's, it's offending the listener. It's, it's trying to meet them where their sensibilities may be. I think we do that a lot. We disclaim more than we probably even want to. But being raised of that being private, it's not always so easy to let it go. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing that's happened to me in the very recent time is I actually took a master class, a three-day master class with a woman that I've never taken a master class with before, an Indian woman. And she 
talks very openly about her sex life and healing from our sexual trauma, Mm -hmm. which I absolutely have more sexual trauma than I want to ever talk about, but it is there. It's real. It's deep. And I was very young when I began having sexual experiences. So it's important to me to walk through and work through the walls and the prison that we've created around ourselves in what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. At this point in my life, I'm truly only making space for people that understand that an open conversation is exactly where we need to go in order to heal from the trauma that we've created over the centuries we've existed. No, you're absolutely right. It's just that even now in this moment, I'm feeling resistance to completely letting go, to getting involved in the conversation, even when we opened up with poop. Exactly. You don't talk about poop. You don't go out on a double date with your friends and talk about your poop. However... You do when you're with me. You know what? (laughs) No, of course, of course, of course, because I think you are trying to break down these barriers of not talking about things that are inappropriate. That's the thing, is that what we've labeled as inappropriate, what is inappropriate... What we've labeled as obscene... About functions that every single human encounter. Every single person poops. Every single person, unless you've lived a very specific life, is going to have sex. I'm curious to know, why is it that it's okay to talk about sneezing and how the fluid from a sneeze needs to be contained by a mask inside of our mouth? Or a tissue or whatever. And it's, but but why is that type of bodily function okay to talk about? But having sex and having an orgasm and the way that bodily function works, why is one obscene and one not who made that rule centuries of human coding that began from whomever was in charge back then right the more civilized we are the less we can talk about how we created ourselves no so when we get all of this upness of our own pain and drama and the things that we need to heal from which is about what the tv show sex life is about like that it's all that stuff running through the theme of the whole thing healing from yes then we actually get into a place where sex becomes just an amazing and beautiful thing and a place where we create joy together and move on to the next phase of whatever we want to create because we've learned that we can create consciously. We can either do it with pain or we can do it with joy. Or we can use both, which is fine. We can use both. But one of our favorite joys, especially together, is our sex life. And so I love a TV show that can get some really good intergenerational conversations. And yes, I said a show that is basically soft porn titled Sex Life is an awesome show for intergenerational conversations. Well, it's um, kind of funny that we transition into this next dinner that we participated in because at the end of the day, <laughs> it somehow ended up on a conversation about your sex life in your teenage years. <laughs> One of my best friends, best friends, uh-huh. and her husband were in town. They're not tourist tourists because they grew up. One of them grew up here, but we're going to take them out for a night in the town. Yeah. 
And they specifically ask. For, and like, then they said, give us your local night. We want to experience your Corpus Christi. Right. <laughs> no problem. Meet you at six at Bellino, right at the bar. And uh, we Ubered. So it was going to be an interesting night. Right. right. We were going to have a good time, good friends, old friends, and snack through town. Happy hour snacking through town. One of the things that happens when I get together with my high school friends is that we tend to take those walks down memory lane, yes. and tell all of the inside <laughs> jokes and stories, and uh, to the exclusion, regrettably, of maybe our significant others. Mm, I'm ready for us to start leaving more of the history in the past. This friend is a psychologist, and this is the second time that she has said something significant. The first one was many years ago, and she said something about me and my upbringing. And I was there. You were there. And <laughs> it was like the first time I met her. It didn't rock me, but it rocked me a little bit. You know, I had to, I had to recognize that she knew the truth as an observer, an outside observer. Uh-huh. And then she said something, yeah, this time that was profoundly accurate. What was it that was profoundly accurate for you? Because I'm curious now. She said, basically, Joe, what you created, whether you intended to or not, was this identity that you were a safe space for friends of yours, female, to, to explore their sexuality, to have, <laughs> yeah, to explore this budding thing that we're all exploring. Aren't you a, a lucky guy? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Right. I, I don't know if it was luck. I don't know if it was manufactured by me. Well, first of all, I, I don't, don't believe know, in luck. But the way that she phrased it did help this little transitional thing that I talked about at the top of the episode. It did spark a notion of it is time to do some introspection about yourself, what you were, where you are, and where you want to go. Yeah, yeah. And and so that's, you know, where a lot of the conversation from the evening as we as we bumped through all the delicious foods that we were eating throughout the night, it got me thinking back even to what I had said earlier. And that is that we, our sex life has been a central point of, and it's, it's a central point of everyone, yeah, but in some, uh, but, no, no, but, but some people it's different. It's different for us. It is different for us. The sexual trauma and then me feeling so safe with you. That's exactly what it is about that. And But at the same time, as you have begun growing through your experience of sex and your sex life and your awakening to different things, I said to you the other night, the one place that made me feel unsafe, and it is where we have fought the absolute most in our relationship, was an obligation because not that we're married, but we're like a married couple. And who else are you going to have sexual experiences with than me? Sure. So if I'm not available to you, then, right? So then there's that part of this conversation that is an interesting mix to all of the whole thing. But it was one of those nights where as we bumped along, you were truly the center of the introspective conversation. And I found it to be very, And, and very I was fighting it off and, and you kept saying, no, Joe, we might need to exactly be going here right now. I, well, was, I was it, like, I don't want to be the center of attention. And look, her husband is completely out of the conversation. He didn't, you know. Yeah, I, it was an interesting conversation. It definitely got me thinking the next day about all of it. And here we are, you know, coming back this week to the sex live conversation that we kind of started. So I find it very fascinating. And I think it might have been exactly what was intended to happen. But most importantly, we got to hang out with friends and 
have delicious drinks and eat delicious food and I don't know. It was fun. It was an interesting evening, an interesting swirl of events that led us down a path that we like. I mean, if you think about that night that I talked about. Did you about, like it? I felt like. At first, I, it, at first I didn't. Like at first as the, the evening came, started coming to a close, I think I started getting uncomfortable with it. But then as I looked at it the next day again. I was uncomfortable all night long. Well, but, but as you looked at it the next day, see, and then we go back to what you were saying just a minute ago about your coding Right. I'm such and my an coding, attention Like grabber. I had to start looking from, well, yes. I mean. And I, and I, I told you on the way there, I don't. Do you not want that for real? Like, do you really not want that? Because I don't think that's true. I believe it so is off-putting. how do I begin? Okay. Are you, mm, this is interesting because today's big, my big thought for today is about, am I too much? No, I'm me. And if I'm too much for you, then step away. You don't have to be here in my space anymore. Okay, and so but that's I think you that that's fully facing... embracing that you're that's fully embracing and believing that you're in control of your too muchedness and now saying, take me or leave me. I don't mind. I think that I don't have the understanding sure. of the break you have between a lot of healing. me and you going to almost every single event that we go to and me saying, I'm not going to attention grab. Kick me under the table if you see me doing it. And, and then you, and you, you be, never do. And then you be, and then on the way home, I'm like, ah, oh, dang it, I did it again. I did it again. I know I can hear you. So I don't. I'm it not is in funny because you say on the way there, point. I'm gonna let so and so talk more this time. You know, it's funny because you have this thing that you do where you go, yeah. Um, so so tell me about such and such, and then the person starts telling you they they make it three sentences in, and then you relate it back to you, <sighs> and then it's talking about, and then we're talking about you again. I don't like it. It, but why? Why don't you like it? See, this is the part because of me from the very beginning, going all like it when the way back to the beginning of this about self-care and self-love. And it doesn't how, matter how well you feed your body. It doesn't matter how much water with lemon you drink in it. If you don't look at why there's certain things about yourself that you don't like and heal from them you're and right. let them you're go, right. You're right. Th you. then you will just fall right back into the you're old right. routines you're right. that hates your body you're basically right. You're right. that's what it is i can say i don't want to do it and then do it over and over again and then say oh damn it i did it <laughs> but i'm not digging into why it's happening why do i keep drawing that to me why do i want that in you my and life? i have people in our life that when they come around we re we know at that moment we can just put tape over our mouths for tw <laughs> for 20 minutes because these types of folks just are gonna what did that? What was that you said about the sunrise? I'm talking about the best sunrise, and then they just take over the whole thing. I don't think that I'm at that level by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't want to be at a level even approaching it because I find it so annoying. We get uncomfortable with silence. You are so uncomfortable with silence. Mm -hmm. See, that's an that. If I were you, along with the fasting, whatever, I would do some fasting from sound. I would do some fasting in a way that is. I love how at the beginning of the episode, I said, I'm going to be doing some introspection. And I did my best. And now that to you is a whiteboard. And you're saying, add this to the list, add this to the list, add this to the list, add this to the list. Hey, it is a full-time job, man. It is a full-time job. Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week. So I pulled out this week's question. Mm -hmm. And this could be interesting or it could be very short. I we're, vote. We're, I vote for the latter. We're funny like that. Ask the question. I'll make it about myself. Go ahead. <laughs> Would you like to see an alien? Would I like to see an alien? I want to see everything I have never seen. I want to travel to places I've never traveled. I want to 
taste foods I've never tried. I want to try a recipe I've never tried. So yeah, as far as seeing a new thing, I wouldn't mind seeing an alien if the alien had the same kind of attitude that I did. Now, if the alien is here for world domination, I probably wouldn't want to see the alien if he had some kind of advanced laser ray gun. If I see an alien, it's probably going to be here on our planet. And if aliens come to our planet, then they are clearly of superior intelligence and mechanical abilities to be able to fly light years across space when we cannot do that. So I think that they'd come with superior technology and the ability to easily dominate us. Life's too short not to say yes to this question, though. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I'd love to see an alien. Sure, right. Okay, first of all, for me, I'm curious about the technical definition of the word alien, because you know me, if I'm going to go down that path. I'm going science fiction movie alien. Um, right. So I don't know if I believe in aliens. I do, I do not believe in aliens. believe in extraterrestrial beings. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Um, and I don't believe that I will align with create space for or connect with anything that is bad that wouldn't take me on to the next awesome level that I want or anything good that wouldn't take me on to the next level that I want. So I don't really care. I mean, yes, right. I, I kind of believe we already have it. Already I would love see to aliens. see E.T. I think we've already seen aliens. But I don't like, want but, to but see what the is alien the from alien. Yeah, what is the tech? I don't believe in monsters. I don't draw in monsters. I want to see I don't Star connect Man. monsters. I don't... Monsters don't live in my space. I don't space. want to see Predator. Right. Monsters don't live in my space. So why don't you just pick the ones you want? My favorite movie as a child was E.T. And I cried so hard in the theater when E.T. died. And you know the ending. He comes back to life. If he was ever dead. Very jesus -y. It's so far. E. It's so is interesting how e. far off the rail we can get. No, it's not. You want to see an aliens? Yeah. If it's E.T., I do. Yes. The answer is yes. Sex life. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime... Hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.